0: Good morning, brethren and friends. Good to see you this morning, and we want to thank you for being with us today here at the Kota Community Church of Christ. And we appreciate your presence with us. Uh, for those of you who are dialing in from upstairs and online, we see you as well. And thanks for being with us here today. We also want to uh, welcome all of you who are visiting with us today. Some of our friends are with us. Uh, we've got visiting brethren as well, all the way back from France, from Malacca, and from Klang as well. So we're good to see you here today. And Thanks again for joining us. Over the past couple of weeks, we've been taking a closer look at the Word of God, also known as the Bible, uh, to us Christians. And a couple of things that we've covered over the past few weeks uh, was, is the Word of God complete? And that was by our brother Chan uh looking at whether or not we need any more revelations uh, when it comes to our spiritual life. And indeed, we saw that the Word of God was complete and perfect, as the Bible itself claims to be. We also took a look at whether or not, uh, or how the Word of God leads us to living fulfilled lives. That was by Brother uh, Ng just a few weeks ago, and how we can look towards the Word of God to help us develop fuller, richer, happier, more purposeful lives as well. And today we're going to look at another uh, context of God's God's Word, and that is uh, to rightly divide the Word of God, or Word of Truth, as Brother Sam uh, earlier prayed in his prayer today. Now, when I think about the concept of division, I think about right proportion um, and whether or not we are dividing appropriately the things that we want to do. And we see many instances of this in life. And when we don't divide or when we don't uh, uh, appropriately portion things, uh, sometimes results are rather unfavorable. I remember when I was a kid growing up, and you know my brother Will, and there's two of us children uh, in in the home and uh, especially when it comes to food and this was when we were really 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 young yeah uh when our parents would uh, divide the food uh, appropriately between both of us you know it's never never exactly half right or, or even if it was exactly half to the other person you know it would not seem appropriately, appropriately portioned, right and there will be arguments and fights and unhappiness right and so all of you who are parents you probably have experienced this before When we look at things like inheritances, right, when a person passes on from this world, especially if they have a lot of earthly possessions, right, Uh, and the will that is then executed is not appropriately portioned as well to those who are inheriting the the possessions, again a lot of uh, uh, fights and sometimes that that takes to court, and you know there are a lot of legal battles over there. Uh, If you're a, a cook or chef, right, at home and you cook, and if you don't put the right portions of the ingredients into your food, right. What happens? You know, your food doesn't taste well or disastrous results. Uh, chemicals, for example, right, in use in industrial purposes, if you don't put the, the right combination of chemicals together, you may, uh, it may result in explosions or damaging your goods as well. Similarly, wrongly dividing the Word of God can lead to unfavorable outcomes in our lives as well. The Bible, as we know, is our guidebook to life, right? It is our instruction manual. It's our compass. It points us to our true north. And when we don't use the Bible accurately according to the way that it was intended, we lead ourselves down the paths that God never intended for us to take. And that leads to everlasting results which will be disastrous for our souls and those that we influence. We see an example like, uh, of this in Matthew chapter 3, in verse 23, for example. Uh, and, we, uh, and this was a situation where Jesus was pronouncing woes on the on the Pharisees, the religious teachers of those days, who were hypocrites, as Jesus called them. And in verse uh, twenty three, it says, "Woe!" Sorry, it should be Matthew twenty three twenty three. "Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye tithe mint and anise and cumin, and have left undone the weightier matters of the law: justice and mercy and faith. But these ye ought to have done, and not to have left the other." undone. So what Jesus was saying here, you look at the law so closely and so detailed when it comes to certain things like tithing, right? And that was the things that they were preaching to the people of the day. But yet in the weightier matters of the law, the more important matters of the law, like love, like justice and mercy, you put no care to it. So they were not dividing the word of God or placing importance on equal parts of God's word. And God and Jesus called them hypocrites, Because of the way they were treating the word of God. The word of God also throughout the many years that this earth has existed, has been used in many, many wrong ways as well when people have not looked to it for the authority that it is. For example, in the past, many crusades have been fought right, in the name of Christianity. Uh, and uh, this was quest for power and colonization across the world, right? And again, this is, I don't think this is just uh, specific to the Christian religion, right? There were a, a lot of other wars fought in other religions uh, names of others, other religions as well. Right? Um, in the Christian world today, sometimes we see uh, churches right, that um, preach the gospel of health and wealth right? and um, the pastors or the leaders of those churches enrich themselves right, from uh, pushing forward certain agendas. I just did a quick search yesterday on richest preachers in the world and top number one on the list, right? I won't say who right? but the person was worth 300 million USD and you think, how in the world, you know, a person who's supposed to be teaching, you know, the values of of of, of uh, self-control, values of you know, giving, values of uh, using money wisely, has you know, one third of a billion right uh, stored in terms of his net worth. Right? And so uh, many many times, the word of God is used to push forward certain agendas, right, that would enrich themselves, right, but you know, not in other weightier matters of the law, right. These um, Sometimes these um, groups or these preachers themselves uh, stay away from things that are controversial, right? Because they don't want to alienate people. They want more people and therefore more wealth that comes with it as well. Um, sometimes in our personal lives as well, right? And, uh, in, in the lives of Christians, uh, we, uh, some Christians use the word of God only when it's convenient for them, right? But when it's not convenient, uh, then they don't, uh, or they don't look to the word, they don't obey it. For example, when they get offended, right, in church sometimes, when people offend them, they use Matthew 18 right, and say, oh, you shouldn't offend me. And they, and they, use, and they use those sort of uh, verses. Right? But they themselves right, um, are not loving, are not kind, right, and offend others as well. Right? Uh, they use the word of God to justify, justify bad behavior. Right? Or sometimes when they know that they're not living right lives or lives that God would approve of, they say, oh, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about that. So, you know, it doesn't matter. Right? And that's not rightly dividing the word of God. So what we see here in some of these examples is whether one divides the Bible rightly or wrongly is deeply rooted in our heart and our intentions and whether or not we seek to please God. Whose will matters more to us today? God's will or our will? When our will matters more, we find ways to use God's word to justify our actions and christianity then becomes an image for us to wear to the rest of the world and it's a role that we play because it's convenient we we wear this name and people see us as christians right but deep down inside we're not serving the lord we're serving our own will ourselves our selfish motives but when god's will matters more to us we seek first to see what is in his will what is in the word and then we take it in its entirety and then we map our lives according to the holistic approach to God's word. So before we even consider today how to rightly divide the word of God, a deep question for ourselves is deep down inside my heart, who am I serving today? And a good way for us Christians to answer this question is to look at our behaviors. Where are we spending our time? What activities are we engaging in? How much time and effort are we investing into our spiritual things? It brings to mind uh, uh, the concept of relationships right, that we see in the world, whether it's with your spouse, your significant other, uh, your family, right? and to many people right, to, today and, and all of us sitting here today, if I were to ask the question, what's the most important thing in your life, maybe aside from God and spiritual life, many of us here would probably say probably say our families, my wife, my husband, my children. But when we look at the way we're spending our lives and what we're doing at home, sometimes our, li- our behaviors are not reflective of having those relationships at our core, right? as our priorities. Right? Uh, we're, we're, we're busy working, we're busy pursuing our own um, activities, our own uh, hobbies, you know, and things like that, right? But yet, you know, we say, and so we're deceiving ourselves. And the same thing goes with God in our relationship with Him. I think all of us sitting here today who are Christians, if I were to ask you what's the most important thing, you would say God, you would say church, you would say spiritual things, right? But again, when we look at our lives, are we really putting an investing effort into that relationship with God? Do my behaviors reflect a true desire for God to be pleased with me? Do I crave this relationship with Him as much as I crave my relationship with other people in the world or my, my pursuits or my job? Right? Because if our desire for a relationship with Him is not strong, we're probably not going to care too deeply about what He says in His Word and it becomes a relationship of convenience. It's nice to have. Like, it adds value to our life sometimes, right? But, you know, it doesn't really make a big difference or impact to our life. But I want to encourage us from the life of David, my favorite person in the, in the Word of God. Um, David, a man after God's own heart, as the Bible describes him. Right? And uh, David, a shepherd boy, who then later became King David. And when we see he's. Deep respect for God and His Word, I believe there's something to take away from this. Let's turn to Psalms 119, verse 10 to 16. Psalms 119, verse 10 to 16. And this is David writing. He says here in verse 10, he says, With my whole heart I have sought you. I have searched and searched for you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word have I hidden in my heart. That i may not sin against you blessed are you o lord teach me your statute with my lips i have declared all the judgments of your mouth i have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies as much as in all riches i will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways i will delight myself in your statute and i will not forget your word and if you scroll all the way down to verse 97 in that same chapter he says oh How I love your law, it is my meditation all the day. What we see here is a heart that is full for God and His Word. When we read the way David wrote and the emotions that he has poured into the way he describes his relationship with God and His Word, this is a man who is not perfect as we know, but we see that God takes priority. He he had riches. He had family, he had a whole kingdom to run. But deep down inside, he was still that shepherd boy who spends time with God. And what we see here is a heart full of innocence, like a child, longing to serve God, wanting to please God. And that's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18, verse 3. Assuredly, I say to you, unless you are converted and become as little children, not in our mind, right, but in our heart, but to want to please God our Father, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. So to be able to use the word of God effectively, according to how God has intended for us to do so, we need to be humble. Our hearts need to be submissive before God. Submit to His authority of His word. And then we'll find it easier to divide the word accordingly. But aside from desire to listen to God and to have a humble heart, Rightly dividing the Word of God is also a demonstration of spiritual maturity. And it's not that, only, it's not that a Christian can only discern the Word when he or she is spiritually mature, but then being increasingly discerning is a sign of maturity. And this can also be referred to wisdom. As Brother uh, Kelvin read for us in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, uh, He says, And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures which is able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. And I think the word of God can make us wise in so many other ways, aside from just salvation. The way to be discerning, the way to be more wise, is to apply it more. Many of you know that I'm in the talent industry. And uh, one of the things that, we, we, that I talk about a lot in, in, the, in the work that I do is uh, jobs. Job grading, salaries, right, and you know you're looking at the inner workings of a of a company, uh, and how uh, different roles, right, and different sets of responsibilities bring different financial rewards sometimes, right, in uh, in, comp- in, the, in um, comparison to say other roles or other jobs, right. And many times, sometimes when we're talking to employees, the um, the complaints that they have, right? especially lower level employees or middle management employees, they say. Well, wow, very nice to be a leader. You just sit up there and talk, and then you get paid so much money, right? For the CEOs, right? Yeah? They don't do, they don't do any, any work, right? And of course, that's a, that's, 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 a, that's a complaint, but of course, that's not entirely true. But when you dig deep deeper into why certain roles are paid more, for example, right? It is a recognition, but also a reflection on that, ideally, on that person's skill. And wisdom at making decisions right? and being able to see the organization for what it is and drive the organization forward which other roles perhaps at the manager level or even below are not able to do right? and that's why they, they are compensated so much more right all these experiences and wisdom ideally right, that these leaders have come from years of working at their craft from doing what they do whether you're in finance or sales or marketing or HR or doing whatever you do. And at a certain point of time in life, right, and when, you get on, uh, when you take on certain leadership roles and positions and responsibilities, it's a reflection of that craft that you've been working on for so many years. Similarly to our spiritual lives, to be able to use the Word of God to make better and more wise decisions for our lives, we need to work at our craft more. We need to apply it more in our lives. And the beautiful thing, though, about this, compared to our secular work, our spiritual life and maturity is not age-related. Someone who has 20 years of being a Christian doesn't mean that they are automatically more wise or more experienced than someone who has spent 10 years of being a Christian. What matters is what happens in that span of time and how we're growing our faith and applying our faith during those years. So why does it matter to us today? Why is there a need for every Christian to be able to rightly divide the Word of God? Let's go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, uh, which, which, we, which we read this uh, um, verse about rightly dividing the Word of God. It says here, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. 2 Timothy 2.15 A Christian that is able to rightly divide the word is one who is able to present ourselves approved to God and not be ashamed of the way that we are serving God. Now this is important because what this means to us then is that whether or not God approves of our lives, and as an extension, our salvation is linked to this, is linked to to our ability to handle the word correctly. There are Christians today who don't place importance in developing this skill for themselves. And unfortunately, sometimes many um, in the brotherhood and the church uh, fall into this category. Their lives and their spiritual maturity are dependent on the Sunday morning sermons and the Wednesday night classes or the Friday night classes that they go to, because that's the one or two or three times in a week that they engage with the Word of God. And aside from that, they don't get any other spiritual feeding on their own or from anybody else. And because of this, they don't develop a good sense of handling the word of God on their own. That responsibility is passed to someone else, again, the teacher or the elder or the preacher in the church. And this behavior then becomes concerning because if we only listen to the preaching and teaching of God's word once or twice a week and expect that we're going to make good decisions when it comes to our faith and spirituality and godliness and our life direction well that's not going to happen similarly right if you go to work twice a day and you expect to progress in your career uh, sorry twice a week and you expect to, to, to grow in your career it's not going to happen right because you're not working at it consistently and when we don't make good decisions this impacts whether or not we have a place in heaven with god when our lives are over and so if there's one thing that you take from today's lesson, it is that it is our individual responsibility to be able to rightly divide the Word of God. Because where we end up when this life is over depends on how well we're doing that. So let's take a few ways that we can rightly divide the Word of God. Number one, we need to look at the Word of God and treat the Word of God with care. In the Greek text, Second Timothy chapter 2 and verse 15, when we read the word being divide, dividing the word of God, right, the Greek word there is orthotomeo, and this reflects a straight cut. So you saw a picture of an apple pie earlier, right? and if you were to cut a pie or a cake right, with a knife, and you go one straight cut in, and then you pull away that piece of meat or that pie, right? that's what orthotomeo uh, indicates, right? And so a knife comes to mind if you're at home today and you've got a bunch of knives right what do you where do you keep the knives you keep the knives away from children you keep the knives away in a place where it's safe right so you don't accidentally cut yourself and so the picture here is that the word of god is very sharp and where do we see other references like that in ephesians chapter 6 and verse 17 right where the Word of God is described as the sword of a spirit. You don't go around flinging a sword. Right? You, you keep it in your sheath. You handle it very carefully. Right? Another uh, place that we read is in Hebrews chapter 4, and verse 12, where it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even into the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and it's a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The word of god has the ability to cut through the heart of mankind and change the life of a person i think about a surgeon on our operating table and uh, if again i'm not i'm not in the medical field but if you if you watch enough uh, medical dramas and you've seen movies like that right you see a whole set of tools next to the surgeon right when they are performing their surgery and to my understanding right, there are different types of tools, depending on the different bone densities, depending on the different uh, hardness of tissue that they have to cut through. Right? But when it comes to the heart, when the surgeon is operating, right, the tissue surrounding that is very, very uh, precarious, because it's thin, and any wrong movement uh, could impact uh, the, the patient on the, on the table. And so the tools that the surgeon uses, or the surgical tools, are, are very, very carefully crafted as well, right? So if you can imagine a surgeon right, trying to perform an operation on a heart, and as he goes in with a certain tool or a knife to cut something and accidentally moves and cuts something else, right, well, that's going to be disastrous result right, because that was not what it was intended. So the same picture that we see when the Word of God is able to cut through our hearts from an intellectual, emotional, spiritual perspective, we need to be cutting the right parts of the heart according to the way the Word of God intended in terms of our values, our perspectives, our principles. And if we're not rightly cutting, and we're cutting something else, well, our entire life is going to move in a different direction than God had intended us to be. That is the impact of not being able to rightly divide the Word of God. And so the care that we use the Word of God needs to be very, very precarious as well. Another example that the Bible is used is um, a picture of treasure. And um, we, we, we use this verse where we say, you know, lay up your treasures in heaven, right? Uh, where where uh, moth and rice do not destroy. But the word of God in the book of Psalms many, many times is described as riches and treasure. Right? What do you do with riches and treasure if you had riches and treasure today? Do you leave it outside your house where everybody can see? Yeah, probably not, right? You store it way, way deep inside your house and you keep it carefully protected there, right? Because it's precious to you. The same kind of care needs to be accorded to God's word. To care for the word of God also means that we, are, we ensure that it's kept pristine when we handle it. There's no adding or taking away from God's word. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, and verse 2, we read, You shall not add to the word which I command you, nor take from it, that you may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. There are many in the Christian world today who don't care for the word of the Lord today, like this way. They add to God's word, they apply meaning to advance certain agendas, or they hide away other parts that may cause too much controversy or they don't want others to see. And this lackadaisical attitude shows how much they care for themselves rather than respecting the authority of God's word. So what's the solution to all this then? What's the solution to ensuring that God's word is taken care of in the way that we treat it? Well, the answer is in Second Timothy chapter two and verse fifteen as well. Where well, the Greek word there uh, in some of your verses it may say "study" to show yourself approved. In other versions it may say "be diligent" to show yourself approved. The Greek word for "be diligent" or "study" is paudazo. and it means to be earnest. Be earnest in un- understanding the word of God so that you can be approved by God. In my teenage years, I was not a good student. And some of you who have known me from, uh, from when I was growing up as a kid, uh, you would probably know that part of my, my, my life as well, right? Where uh, high school was horrible for me, academic-wise. But I remember some of my classmates whom I had great respect for. And they were very, very diligent when it came to studying. They knew when the exam was, and so that implies I didn't know when the exams were. Right? <laughs> exactly what was needed to be de- delivered on the day of the exam. They were very resourceful, right? If they couldn't find the information in our textbooks, right, uh, they would go to the library. Now, this was before Google was a thing. Yeah? And so you, you kind of know how old I am now, right? Uh, before we could easily just type on our phones or our, our computers and, and find information. Right? So they would be in the libraries right, after school, or they would go to tuition classes, they would get their... Uh, their teachers to, you know, give them some extra help. Right? They seized opportunities. Right? During breaks, I remember, and I went to, uh, to government school. So yeah, many times, um, you know, we, we had teachers not coming to class or, you know, teachers just not teaching, right? But, they, but instead of, you know, playing around or instead of just sleeping and lazing around, they seized that opportunity and say, hey, if my teacher's not going to teach today, I'm going to bring up my revision books and, and they studied, right? And they revised. And while many times they were teased for being nerdy or teachers bad or they were boring, right? Well, when the exam grades came out, well, guess who succeeded? Right? Uh, they did. The point is that they found ways to make it work because they so earnestly wanted to be approved in the education system right? by doing good grades. Right? And the same principle applies to us today. When our minds are so set on being approved by God on Judgment Day, It moves our hearts and minds to find ways to ensure that what we're doing is going to get us to heaven. Our entire being, our entire mind, our entire focus is saying, I want to be a good Christian, I want to be approved by God, and I know I'm going to get to heaven at the end of these days. And that includes studying the Word so intently that we know exactly how to appropriately find and understand what God wants us to do, which is rightly dividing the Word of God. In Joshua chapter 1 and verse 8, when uh, Joshua was leading the people uh, and he was reminding them, and God was reminding them of the importance of God's word, he says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written into it. For then you will have your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. And the the word meditate here in the Hebrew word is the word hogol, right, which means to ponder, to right? just keep thinking about it over and over and over. And sometimes we quote Psalms one, right, and it say meditate on God's word day and night. Uh, but when we look at the way our lives are, we maybe study the word of God, you know, a few times in the week, but that's not meditating. Meditating is a concept where when we go throughout our day, right, we are thinking about it. We are we're thinking critically about it. We're trying to find ways to apply it in our lives. That's what meditate and ponder really means in Joshua. Right? But the question for us today is: How much effort are we putting into diligently studying and pondering over God's word, so that we constantly show up in life knowing how to interpret God's word accurately? In addition to caring well for God's word, another way that we can re- re- ensure that we rightly apply and divide God's Word is to ensure that we have the right context when it comes to reading God's Word. Over the years that I've been in church, and I've grown up and interacted with many brethren, I've seen brethren getting frustrated because of some challenges that they're facing in life. And they only look at one or two verses in the, in the Bible with regards to their challenges and say, hey, I've done this, I've done that, I've done what God wants to say, but still my life is not working out but still I go through challenges, right? And because of that, they get frustrated, they get disappointed with God, they get angry with God, and sometimes they even leave the faith. Another example that I've seen is brethren giving advice to another brother or sister using a very skewed way at looking at a verse or a passage. And that potentially leads the person asking for advice down the wrong path because there's a hidden agenda behind them. Just like a lot of things, the Word of God can be used to advance different agendas by cherry-picking certain verses here and there and creating a narrative around it. Right? And that's the way many, uh, people, many Christians are living their lives today, many churches are led. many preachers are preaching. Right? But that's not the right and fair way to represent God's Word. What we want to do is to take the totality of God's Word about different topics that we're looking at and find what God has to say about it. Here's an example. Right? When we look at salvation the concept or the topic of salvation for example if you look at acts eight thirty-seven, Acts 238 romans 10 9 to 10 mark 16 16 and revelation 20 verse 10. you would have five different ways on how one can attain salvation the question is are people safe in five different ways and of course the answer to that is it's not possible because god is not a is not a a god of confusion as we see in first corinthians 14 chapter 33 and so the logical conclusion is to put all these together and say hey with regards to salvation these are all the different things that put together result in salvation here's another example the qualifications of elders if you read first timothy chapter 3 uh and and titus chapter 1 and verse 5-9 to you will see a total of 20 qualifications of an elder of the church. Total, 20. There are six parallels in both both contexts. There are five similar qualities in both contexts, but there are four in Timothy which are not in Titus, and there are five in Titus which are not in Timothy. In Timothy, there's a total of 15 qualifications. In Titus, there's a total of 16 qualifications. When we're thinking about the topic of an elder, or if someone is desirous to be an elder, does he just pick one passage to follow, Titus or Timothy? If they do, then we will have different kind of elders, because some elders will have one quality lacking, right? or some, call- some other elders will not have both qualities. right? So the logical application is that we've got to sum it all up. And those 20 qualifications demonstrate a strong leader of God's church. Another question to ask sometimes is, who's the audience? When we read the Word of God, the Old Testament uh, applies to the Jews, the New Testament applies to Christians. But even in the New Testament, there are some universal laws that apply to all mankind. And then there are some laws that apply to Christians only. And then there are some laws that apply to elders and not to anybody else in the church. So as we look at some of these examples, a Christian who rightly divides the Word of God is one who takes into consideration the entire context of God's Word when it comes to life and godliness. And as we see in Acts chapter 20 and verse 27, Paul declared the whole counsel of God's word. In 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 16, he says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And so when we think about rightly dividing the word of God, we need to take into account the whole context of God's word. And then finally, rightly dividing the word of God means we care deeply for God's word. We take into account the proper context, but we're also consistent in our approach to God's word. One of the bigger challenges in a Christian's life I believe is the choice on whether to follow the wisdom of God or to follow the wisdom of the world. And there is a lot of good wisdom in the world, don't get me wrong, right? Which may help us to fare better in life, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's consistent with the values that God wants us to have in our lives. And so the challenge lies in the path that we choose to take. Whether we choose to take God's path or the path of the world but what we end up sometimes in a lot of times actually is a hybrid of both values god's values and worldly values and then we pick some from each wisdom and then we try to carve a life out of it it's a fusion of sorts what results is in this is confusion sometimes we don't know which way to follow or we tend to lean towards one or the other and most of the time we tend to lean towards worldly wisdom why because it's more present in our lives we see it every day. We engage with it every day. Right? And so this approach of this fusion or hybrid also isn't rightly dividing the word of God because then what we're doing is that we're applying the word in some things of our lives, but not in all things. But the word of God covers all things pertaining to life as we read in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 3. So what this means for us today then is that we've got to make a choice. Which values and path do we want to follow? I hope that we all choose God's path. But it also means that we've got to be consistent in building our values around His Word. And the encouragement that we do, uh, that we get, however, is that when we do, our lives will not be in vain to the Lord, as we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 58. Where the Bible reads, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. God sees and God will reward when the time comes. What are the results, then, of treating the Word of God with care, approaching it from a proper context, and giving it the proper uh, consistency when it comes to approaching our lives with God's Word? When we rightly divide the Word of God, we get clarity in our lives. We know exactly what to do, we know exactly how to live, we know exactly how to serve, there is no confusion when it comes to living our Christian life anymore. In 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, which we read over and over again today, when he says, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. It is profitable for what? Doctrine, reproof, correction, instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. The word there, um, complete, sometimes is, is uh, also translated perfect and whole, right? And so when we look at the life that we're living, when we read the Word of God, when we apply it well, we have no doubt that we're going the right way, that God wants us to live. We also get a curated life. And what I mean by this is that while there are parts of God's Word which are very clear in its expectations, like doctrines when it comes to uh, things that God uh, commands of us, right, these things will not change. But there are also many other parts of God's Word which when we apply we will have different results because we are all unique, different people. For example, when we talk about things like loving others and serving others and having a good relationship with others, right? there is no one way to do this. There is no one way to love another person or to serve another person or to respect and have a good relationship with another person. Right? But when we know how to rightly apply it and divide the word of God in our various respect- respective situations in life, what results are lives that are carefully crafted by God, which are fulfilled, which are wonderful, which are impactful in so many ways. right? And the encouragement that I leave for us today is in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 8. In I- as Isaiah said, But now, O Lord, you are our Father, we are the clay, and you are the potter, we are all the work of your hand. And that's how God curates our lives. So as we close, the question for us today is how much are we rightly dividing the Word of God in our lives today? Is the Word of God a tool that we use daily or is it an exhibition piece that we put at home just so that people know that we're, we go to church and that we are Christians? Right? What are the deeply rooted intentions in our hearts? And if you're a child of God today, but you're not really rightly dividing the Word of God to lead your life, you need to change right, and come home. If you're visiting with us today, and if you want to know more about what the Word of God has to say about you and your life, we'll be more than glad to help you through that journey. Whatever your needs may be, won't you come and stand as we sing the song of the